Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today's issues here on the American Family Radio Network. In case you're wondering, today is Tuesday, July the 27th, 2021. It's Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Tim. Good to be here. Chris Woodward. Hello. And Dr. Ray Pritchard. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Doing well, Ray. Uh, When's your next gig? We're leaving on Friday, heading two weeks to the Northeast, up for a week of Bible conference in Maine, and then week after that at America's Keswick in New Jersey. Do you normally go to New Jersey? Uh, we go to America's Keswick in New Jersey about every two or three years, something like that. America's what now? Keswick, K-E-S-W-I-C-K. Keswick is a region in uh, in England where a great movement of God called the Keswick Movement started in the late 1800s. and there's a there's the village of Keswick, and the Keswick movement is about what we would call the victorious Christian life. And so one of their one of the conference centers associated with that is in New Jersey, and it's called America's Keswick. It's spelled as if you look at the word Tim, it sounds like it should be Keswick, but it's uh, Keswick. Now is that in the uh, concrete part of New Jersey or the garden part of New Jersey? Oh, it's much more, much more in the garden part okay. of southern New Jersey. Yeah. I've been to the concrete part. I've seen that. No, we're going to southern New Jersey. I got you. That's beautiful countryside there. Yeah, it is. Uh, all right. Yeah, I'm afraid my experience in New Jersey has been the cement side of things. <laughs> you know, hotels with the razor wire around the, the top. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're not going there, Ray. That's right. Going, going to the green part. Good. I, I remember the first time I went to New Jersey, my, my aunt lived in a little town called Cran- well, what, Cranford, oh. which was uh, just south of Newark. Okay. And I was about 12, I guess. I, if I've mentioned this before to listeners, forgive me because I tend to do that now. I forget who I've told what, but I remember I was like, I, I would, maybe I was 10 and went with my grandmother uh, to visit our aunt, her daughter. This is early 70s and uh we landed in LaGuardia mm-hmm. right and then got on the helicopter oh and cool flew over the top of Manhattan that's cool and landed in Newark nice and uh my aunt picked us up in Newark but uh you can imagine a 10 year old <laughs> boy from Mississippi uh-huh in a helicopter flying over Manhattan what an experience oh wow it was just like Mm. You know, never seen anything like that before. And, you know, there's the Empire State Building. You know, yeah. this this is, uh, again, back in the early 70s. Uh, but just uh, an amazing, amazing experience. All right, we got a lot to talk about at the bottom of the hour. Fred, what are we? who are we going to be visiting with at the bottom of the hour? We're going to be talking to a very exciting couple. They're the founders of Yeshua Israel Ministry. Uh, there are a couple, the Fergusons, Kobe and Shani Ferguson. Uh, they live in Jerusalem. Right. And uh, they are Messianic Jews. They are believers in Jesus Christ. 
and uh, their ministry is all about sharing the gospel with uh, the Jewish people of Israel. But they also travel basically all over, uh, sharing about their ministry and about their outreach to the Jewish people. So uh, very exciting couple. We got a chance to hear them this morning at our devotion, opening devotion here at AFA. And uh, so you're going to have a chance to, to hear their testimony. Uh, the uh, husband, uh, Kobe, is was born, I think, in, in Texas, but then moved to Israel in 1999. Uh, but his as, wife... As Texans, would, as Texans would say, he left God's country to go to God's country. There you go. <laughs> there, His wife, Shani, <laughs> born and raised in Israel. And they have, I think it's five kids. Uh, yeah. Yes, exciting family. Yeah, so we'll talk to them at the bottom of the hour. Um, if you want to watch us on Facebook or YouTube, you can do that. Facebook or YouTube, just type in Today's Issues. Check that out. Fred uh, and his team, Chris, they, they post the stories with Brent, our producer, there at our Facebook page uh, that we discuss, so you can have access to that information for yourself. So check that out. Good morning, Chris Woodward. Good morning. What's leading the news? Well, uh, the president has done it again. Uh, you know, from time to time, he has uh, made headlines for things he said that were not so nice to members of the press. And this is the same president that talked about how Donald Trump was mean to people last year and said, I'll be different and I call for unity. Uh, and I bring this up because today the president is in uh, the news again uh, for calling a reporter a pain in the neck yesterday. Now, the president was having a, a Q&A session on U.S. policy when it comes to Iraq. But Kelly O'Donnell of NBC News took it upon herself to ask the president a question about whether or not staff at Veterans Affairs facilities are going to have to get the COVID-19 vaccine. And the president, as I mentioned, called her a pain in the neck. We actually have the audio here. I'm not making this up. Clip one. It's just to be available to continue to train, to assist, to help, and to deal with ISIS as it, as it arrives. But uh, we are not going to be by then here in a combat mission. You are such a pain in the neck, but I'm going to answer your question because you've known each other for so long. It has nothing to do with Iraq. The answer, no, no. <laughs> I'll answer your question. Yes, Veteran Affairs is going to, in fact, require that all docs working in that, and facilities are going to have to be vaccinated. So here again, you have President Joe Biden, who said Donald Trump was mean to people, uh, arguably being mean to a reporter and it's not the first time this summer if you'll take you back let's go back um i actually had to look this up because it feels like six months ago it was actually less than a month ago uh the president uh said some uh, really not so nice things to caitlin collins the cnn white house correspondent for asking him a question uh after the uh sit down with vladimir putin he later apologized said he lost his temper uh and things of that nature but as steve jordahl astutely pointed out today in our uh pre discussion about all this uh steve pointed out that when you listen back to the audio uh o'donnell actually says i take that as a compliment so like she what she herself wasn't even offended well just listening to that uh, it does sound like they they've known each other and that's what he said uh called her a pain in the yeah. pain in the neck uh i don't know why why he said that i think what he was saying you're asking a question that's off topic yeah, but when you're president of the United States, there's no subject that's off topic with reporters. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, Fred, I, I I think yeah, he uh, 
President Biden was meeting with the uh, Iraqi leader at the White House yesterday. So yeah. it was all about Iraq. But I, I, I took it to that uh, I, I think in this case, Biden was kind of given a jab to a friend. He, yeah. He's known this reporter for a long time. Yeah. However, uh, in the incident, the other incident that, uh, that Chris mentioned, uh, I remember that one. And Joe Biden was really upset. Mm-hmm. Pointing his finger at her. Oh, yeah, he was really upset. Here's the thing. Uh, Democrats have it in their mind that the mainstream news media are their friends. They do not want difficult questions, you know, the kind of questions that were thrown at Donald Trump all the time. They just believe the press is on their side, and for the most part, they're 100% accurate on that. And so when they get a little bit of a tough question, uh, you can see them tense up. Every day, Jen Psaki, who is the White House spokesperson, when they have their briefing, and uh, Peter Ducey, the Fox reporter, sits at the front there, you can see uh, Jen Psaki tense up when she gets tough questions, and he's about the only one that asks tough questions. She tenses up, and she sometimes gets really irritated, and she says, and, and gives smart aleck remarks, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. She answers questions with questions. Yes. Thus not answering the question like, that she was Why are you asked, asking Which this? is her job to begin with. Yes. So, you know. Go ahead, Ray. That, that question that she asked the president, I mean, that is, is that a tough question? It's borderline slightly, right? This, slight, this wasn't a hard slam attack on the president. And he, he called her a pain in the neck, and mm-hmm. he could have used stronger language than that, I suppose. Uh, presidents have had... Typically, particularly Republican presidents have had adversarial re- relations with the press. Um, this, to me, is in the category of not really much of a big deal right. because, Fred, as you said, the working press, the establishment press, they're an arm of the Democrat Party. Yesterday's question was about as tough as he's going to get from most of them. Yes, uh, true. That is, that is true. Uh, I wonder if you were to give the uh, White House Press Corps truth serum. Okay, (laughs) if they don't miss uh, Donald Trump, because President Trump, love him or hate him, uh, he would go outside uh, the rope line there uh, on the the way to Air Force One. Well, Marine One on the White House lawn to go to Air Force One, typically. And he would take all comers. He would do give and take. I don't know what what do they call they got a name for that in the press industry. It's a scrum. Uh scrum. Anyway, he's he would take uh, you know, t- usually ten minutes of questions yep. uh with the press and he didn't know what they were gonna ask. And, you know, he just fired off his answers. Mm-hmm. With Biden, it's scripted. Um so they they typically know in advance uh uh, you know, what's gonna be asked. Who they're going to call on. Yeah, he has a little card Yeah, that he's given. It's scripted, and when they get off script, that's when Biden gets in trouble, and that's when he says things openly like, my staff's going to get mad at me mm-hmm. if, <laughs> I, get in trouble. if I talk to you mm-hmm. or if I, an, if I answer a question without having a, you know, a, a teleprompter in front of me and things of that nature. But I would just think uh, just professionally as a reporter, I would much rather talk to somebody who's going to give me ad lib answers or you know off the cuff or first thing that comes to your mind answers which trump was great at mm-hmm. uh then then you know sort of going through the motions yeah. 
uh, in the press room. And as you say, as both, all of you guys said here, the press corps, with the exception of Peter Ducey, maybe maybe another couple, uh, they don't they don't want to look they they don't want to contribute to Biden looking bad. Yes, and uh, their colleagues getting upset with them because you made. Uh, our guy, the Democrat, looked bad, so you need to stick with favorable questions, or mm-hmm. uh, and let him uh, let him have a chance to answer in a way that makes him look good. Uh, so he didn't like did Biden yesterday, but as you as you guys said, it was, it was kind of a man. Eh, it was a, it, it wasn't mean spirited. Let's put it that way. All right, uh, Chris, next story. Well, one of the things that we have talked about a lot on this program, not just on the days that I've been on here, but on various days, um, is the fact that uh, there's been a big movement to basically label everything racist, and therefore we need to combat all things racist. What? Yes. Now, in- uh, have you? I haven't noticed. Have you noticed anything like that? breaking news? Breaking. Yes. When, Thanks, did, Chris. when did this happen? If yes, I just Chris. broke that news to you, I should apologize because I've not. You're done racist, my job as a Chris. <laughs> well, we had no idea. Yes, I bring it up today because I, this sounds like you know a satirical news story that you might read on the Babylon Bee or the Onion or something like that. But there is actually a school system in the Louisville, Kentucky area. Mm-hmm that is trying to tell teachers how to combat anti-racist mathematics, okay? The program called Anti-Racist Mathematics has oh, the goal... that's what it's called? Yes. Has the goal to, quote, <laughs> eliminate curricular violence and in- oh, come innovate on. You're mathematics. You're making this stuff no, up. I'm no. not. No. It's on the internet, which means it's true. Right. Uh, it has the goal to eliminate curricular violence and innovate mathematics education through anti-bias, anti-racist, and racially equitable practices. Now, where, where is this? It's kid? it's in the Louisville, Kentucky okay. area, Jefferson right. County. So basically, they're inviting some teachers in before school, and they're going to have anti-racist math program <laughs> uh, programs for teachers to be trained uh, not to be racist when it comes to math. Um, and I have some sound here. Uh, this is York College professor Eric Smith, an African-American. He was on Fox & Friends this morning responding to this uh, school system. He, he's opposed to it. Clip three. What's going on is that everything has to cater to a victim narrative. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Yeah. Um, the powers that be among the anti-racist circles, uh, for example, really want to be thorough about this. And when I say thorough, I mean thorough. Yes, math is racist. They're going to racialize breakfast cereal soon. I mean, they want to touch on everything. Let's make no mistake that racism is an industry in America. There is money to be made. Um, Not just giving speeches, but uh, giving workshops or uh, giving a curricula that is quote unquote anti-racist when it's actually quite racist. Uh, Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who's killing it is uh the blm yeah a leader what was her name uh, one of the founders the one that buy, has like a bunch of houses yeah she bought like three homes and yeah. she's not gonna i think she uh it's a lucrative business takes a lot of math to buy three he, homes. he is right it's an industry now sure so you you teach critical race theory or you go to corporations or companies and you train you give diversity training and you give the blm um narrative and so forth but but math, come on, man. To borrow from Joe Biden, two plus two is four every day, all day. How is that? How could that possibly be racist? What? what? This this is absolutely <clears throat> crazy. Now, listen to this. This story I was reading: teachers accepted into the program are required to teach four social justice math lessons. 
What? Four social justice math lessons. Uh, Somewhere in one of the documents I read, too, they have to teach that mathematics is subjective. In other words, the person who says, I feel two plus two equals five, you can't question them about that because you might be racist. You know, tell that to the uh, astronaut program that math is subjective uh, about how they figure out how to re-enter the atmosphere, how precise that is, mathematically speaking. Listen, if you've you've got to try to make mathematics racist in any way, you you run out of stuff. You run out of material, Ray, right here on this one. Um, Two plus two used to equal four. It could be five. It could identify as six, right? Well, you unless you're on this, un- an airplane. Unlimited or, answers. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it's just that. It's, well, it's you know incredible. what? This is a, that's a, uh, that's a, an example of, uh, people might say, well, that's an extreme example. Well, that kind of stuff is being introduced in schools all yes. over the country right yes. there. What, name that school district. Did you post it's, this story, Brent, yet? Uh, it's on our Facebook page? Because we're. The As Jeffers- they say, we're not making this up. It's the Jefferson County School uh, District. That's Louisville, right? It's Louisville. And I, I, if if we have anybody listening here right now, and you're shocked by this because maybe you don't know, that taxpayers' dollars are being spent to bring in Dr. Latifa Iddeen. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's going to be teaching this to teachers. <clears throat> uh-huh. All See, right. I bet she's cashing a big check right there. Yep. I tell you what, uh, you're you're about to see homeschooling and mm-hmm. Christian schooling go through the roof. Yes, well, it's funny you mentioned that schools. Go because ahead. yesterday on onenewsnow.com, Fred posted this story. Uh, it was an Associated Press uh, article about the uh, the fact that homeschooling is surging across the U.S. for a variety of reasons, um, including uh, there are children with special education needs. Other parents are seeking a faith-based curriculum for their children or some parents say their local schools are flawed and they don't want to bother with it, so they'd rather educate their own children. Right, uh, this kind of stuff. Yes. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's the critical race theory that more and more parents have found out about that their kids are being right. indoctrinated with. But also, you know, the, you can see God's hand in this, guys, that, you know, kids were at home. Parents started to discover they would have more time to teach their kids, as Chris was saying, biblical values. They're seeing a change in their kids. They're starting to see an interest in their kids, an increasing interest in learning these things. And mom and dad are saying, you know what? (laughs) You get one go around in raising your kids, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. You know how I fault in this situation? Whoever the uh, school board uh, chairman is, or the superintendent of education in, yes. in what's the county? Jefferson County. Jefferson County, which is probably the largest school district in the state of Kentucky, I'm guessing. I mean, you're talking about Louisville, right Louisville, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I fault them. They they should be voted off the school board. Mm-hmm. Uh, the <clears throat> that that superintendent for allowing this kind of garbage should be fired. Uh, this has nothing at, at all to do with <clears throat> academic excellence or helping kids, uh, you know, get ready for college or get, get a job, get a job uh, if they don't want to go to college. And they, instead they're dealing with racist math. Right. Yeah, I can imagine a potential employer reading on a person's resume, I, I, I took four social justice math lessons, courses. 
Yeah, yeah I'm, I, you're going to impress people with yeah, that. That's insane. I, I do want to point out um, this. I, th- I think some people may have forgotten about this. It's been more than 10 years. But do you remember when President Obama, when he took office, his first term, one of the or things he did early on was to have a big uh, thing at the White House where they um, acknowledged and celebrated the contributions <laughs> that Arabs had made to civilization? One of them was algebra. Yeah. Math. <laughs> right. And here we are 12 I don't think years that, later. I don't think that's a contribution to mankind. <laughs> Algebra? <laughs> no, I, I reject that. Well, the point idea. being is we're, we're telling kids today that math is racist when it, when a quote-unquote person of color invented what we now refer to as All right, math uh, teachers, don't email algebra. me. I was only kidding. <laughs> I, I, will only try kidding to, I will I was, not try to pronounce was, his name because I, I will al- not get it right. I, w- I was algebra challenged. Hey, there's okay. a reason I got a B.A. in communication, right. Tim. Right. One math. I was sailing along there on adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, and then they started. Threw that went, X up there. What's that X up there <laughs> right? for? That's exactly what I thought. Ninth grade, I'm going, what the heck? Am I in the wrong class? Hey, I'll tell you That's this. Right. It doesn't matter what time those trains leave and how fast they're going. They're never going to meet. <laughs> they're never going to meet. That's a trick That's question, right. kids. That's right. Why do I need to know X <laughs> equal Y? That's right. So you're throwing letters in on me in a math class here. That's not uh, right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Chris. Well, we've got that. Uh, we've got that going. Let me let me throw this in because we're going to continue to hear this um, for a couple of more weeks. You know, the government is still allowing states that want to do it to pay people the extra three hundred dollars on top of their unemployment benefits. That's going to run out supposedly in September. But a number of states, many of them led by Republicans, or have done away with the uh, the benefits. Colorado, a state where they have a governor that is a Democrat, uh, they're sticking with the unemployment bonuses. And there was a restaurant owner today from Colorado that was on Fox and Friends. His name is Chad Miller. He owns what's called the American Grill there in Colorado. And he was criticizing his governor for saying this. But the host asked him, hey, you know, the president and many of his supporters say you should just pay people more and they'll come back to work. They won't stay home and take the extra money. And so this gentleman here, Chad Miller, answered the uh, the opinion out there that they should they should uh, just simply pay more. Clip five. You can't do that in the restaurant industry. Our, our margins are, are single digits. They're really tight. We just I don't have the million dollar deep pockets like a, like a, the big big chains do to uh, weather this this uh, this this temporary storm. Uh, you know, McDonald's and other places like that have, you know, they can they can. They have the money right there. Right. You know, we, we just don't have that kind of revenue, you know, as far as uh, to, to pay. So I'd have to pay them $20 an hour uh, to match their, their $300 extra benefits for, for unemployment. And entry-level yeah. entry level people just aren't going to do that. He, he's not. <coughs> yes, he may be talking. That's a, uh, a, a private mm-hmm. uh, restaurant owner. He may be talking about competing with uh, other companies mm-hmm. that, that are, he said, large chains right. that uh, they could maybe afford to pay more. What he's really talking about is his restaurant competing against the federal government. That's right. Which has unlimited amount, which mm-hmm. has an unlimited amount of money to dole out. That's what he can't compete with, yeah. right there. That's what industry, That's what restaurants uh, all across America are dealing with. You know, there, there's a connection to the uh, Kentucky story on math to this story. What what we have going on right now is Biden math. And Biden math says, go ahead and pay those kids, 16, 17 years old, 15 bucks an hour. That's his answer. Yeah, you don't have mm-hmm. to raise your prices on the burger. Right. Just go ahead and pay it, and you'll do just fine, business owner. The business owners like this guy are saying, no, I'm in the business world. This, it, this doesn't work. 
Yeah, I've said it before, but I, I think the goal of Democrats in Washington is to get as many people <clears throat> dependent on federal government mm-hmm. handouts as possible mm-hmm. because and keep them on it as long as possible. Yeah. Well, some of these people getting the benefits have children, and they're getting the advanced child tax credit on top of the extra 300 bucks. Yeah. All right, we will return uh, with more good news coming up. Uh, no, we got we got we do have some great news coming up after the break. We'll share it with you. Next time on Today's Issues, our guest will be Abraham Hamilton III. The foundational rubric of the family is marriage. The first command that God uttered to humankind was uttered and issued within the context of family. The first ministerial commitment that you and I should have, and we must have continuously, is to serve our families well. Don't miss the next Today's Issues, weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio and on Facebook. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox. My hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. I want to talk to you about vaccine shaming. Most people in America have decided they do not want the China virus vaccine, and that's a problem for the government. For whatever reason, they want every American from cradle to grave to get that poke in the arm. So Democrats and their cronies in the mainstream media have decided to make life as miserable as possible for the unvaccinated. Restaurants are banning patrons, many healthcare workers fired from their jobs. There are even calls for vaccine passports. Many Americans have legitimate questions. Why are vaccinated people contracting the China virus? Why are healthy people dropping dead after getting the vaccine? And why do so many vaccinated people still have to mask up? This is not about whether or not you should get the vaccine. It's about freedom and liberty. You have a right, a constitutionally protected right to determine your health care, not your neighbor, not the grocery store manager, and not the government. I'm Todd Starnes. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. 
1 John 3, 2 and 3. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of Today's Issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of Today's Issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> Pardon me. Welcome back, everybody. A little hyper there. To the radio program, Today's Issues on American Family Radio. I'm Tim with Fred, Chris, and Ray. So uh, you're welcome to listen to this program if you have more than one syllable in your name. But for the host here, that's what we're going to stick with right now. And Steve will be coming along a little mm -hmm. later. Yeah. And Ed will be back tomorrow. See what? See the theme here? Yeah. Um, Qualifier. All right. So we thank everybody for listening to uh, the program. Uh, in studio with us are uh, Kobe and Shani Ferguson, and uh, they are uh, from Israel, and they're visiting here in the U.S., although Kobe is uh, – good morning first, Kobe. Good morning to you, brother. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Shani. Good morning. How are you? Uh, so, uh, Shani, why don't you tell us – Kobe's from Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. Grew up in Dallas. You born and raised – Born in Dallas, raised in the South, so cowboy okay. redneck. Okay, <laughs> cowboy redneck goes to Israel. Now, Shani, how did y'all meet? Uh, we met in Florida back in the last millennium. Now, you grew up in Israel, though, right? I did, born and raised. Born and raised Jewish? Mm hmm Okay, and so how did you meet the uh, Protestant redneck there? <laughs> <laughs> that, and how did this happen? Tell me this story. Uh, if we, it involves some kind of bar or something like that, we just skip uh, it. No. Okay, okay, no. all right. It was a bar fight, and <laughs> okay. I, 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 I slay the beast, and she went with me home. Okay, <laughs> how this guy? I don't want to delve too much into your personal life. Yeah, just, no, I, we, I am just curious. We met so. in Florida. Uh, went to Bible school down down yonder. Uh, actually, it was the Panhandle, so I don't think it was Pensacola Christian or where? Uh, B R S M. What does that stand Brownsville for? Brownsville Revival School Ministry. In Pensacola? Mm hmm oh, Okay. So you guys met there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, uh, so you were already a Messianic Jew. I was already a Messianic Jew. I was actually invited by Dr. Michael Brown, who was heading up the oh, school yeah. at that time. Well, mm -hmm. good friends of his. We're, we're, we're good right. friends of his. So if you were a Messianic Jew about 30 years ago, everybody knew everybody. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. There was seven that, of there you, was huh? that. was all, Yeah. <laughs> So 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 you. So I was in the school. I, I actually had a radical experience with a guy named Yeshua. Jesus changed yes. my life there. When? Yeah, down in Pensacola when? in the late nineties, ninety seven. And so a guy named Doctor Michael Brown, the same guy. Yeah. He said, "Hey, you know, he was basically led me to the Lord in, in the middle of this revival that was happening in Pensacola." And he said, "Young man, why don't you come to our school? We're starting here." And so, just really kind of. Uh, developed a relationship with him, and he discipled me. And then he was talking with Shani and I at one point. I said, you know, I just feel like the Lord's connected me with this girl Shani. And he said, oh, no, because he knew their family from way back and, you know, told her parents about it. And they said, oh, I hope this isn't revival love. You know, this is a real thing. And so we got the blessing of everyone after me having to wrestle the Israeli Jewish family into understanding <laughs> this was the real thing. So. 
I realized the so Lord. So y'all got married, started having children, and moved to Israel? Well, we actually graduated from the school and went to Israel and got married. I, I made Aliyah, immigrated to Israel in the same year. Well, next year after we were graduated, 98, 99, got married in Israel. So uh, I mispronounced your name. It's Shani. Shani. That's all right. I think I called most, you Shani. Most Americans mispronounce um, it. So you just go with it? <laughs> I go with it. I'll answer hey, to anything that starts with as, a message. As Wildman, I went with everything, too. Uh-huh. Mr. Right. Wildman, are you here? <laughs> yeah, I'm right here. Wildman. Man. Yeah, I mean, whatever you want to call me. I'm going to call me late for supper, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, okay, so you guys, uh, your parents started a ministry. You were telling our staff this mm-hmm. morning. Tell our listeners about the ministry. Right. So my, my mother actually arrived in Israel the first time in 1959. She was 19 years old. And then from she, where? Uh, from Dallas. Okay. Uh, her parents, uh, her dad actually had a, a magazine called The Voice of Healing, and they were, he was documenting just a lot of incredible things that was happening in the U.S. back in the 50s. And then in 1967, right after the Six-Day War, they brought over a tour, and my uh, mother and her dad, so my grandfather, they were waiting for the cab, and the cab was running late, and my mother had been doing documentaries, and uh, my my uh, grandfather said, hey, why don't you, you know, stay in Israel and do a documentary about, you know, the miracle of the fact that, you know, Israel's been reunited and the, the Temple Mount is now um, accessible to the Jewish people and, and actually also to, to Christians because uh, under Jordanian rule, no, no Christians or Jews could go um, up there. And so uh, she said, sure, I'll, I'll hang out here a couple weeks and uh, make a documentary. And if you know anything about Israel, nothing happens in a couple of weeks. So... <laughs> That was the beginning of her her stay there. She eventually stayed and, and realized how much the place was uh, her life calling. And so um, then she went to the States in the mid-70s and was looking for other Jewish believers because, uh, you know, she was uh, reaching out to Israelis and telling them about the good news. And they would get all excited and they say, wait a minute, if Yeshua is the Messiah and this is the restoration of Israel... Where's, where's all the other believers? Mm-hmm. And so she started traveling around saying, you know, it, uh, finding other Jewish believers around the world and saying, hey, why don't you come over to Israel and help us build, build up a community? And so my, my dad was one of the people that she convinced to bring over. And he said, I'll come over for a year and see, you know, what I think about it. And uh, I think within six months, she convinced him to marry him too. So um, they've been there since 1976. That's when they founded Ma'oz Israel Ministries. What does that stand for? Ma'oz uh, stands for strength. And uh, really that is the vision uh, of the ministry, which is to build up a strong body of believers. And like I was telling the staff, we we see that the, the greatest testimony that, it, that you can offer an Israeli who's already heard so many terrible things about Yeshua um, is the evidence of a healthy and strong body of believers. And so that's what we say is Ma'oz is here to make believers strong in Israel. So Kobe, are you, are you a pastor in Jerusalem? Well, we're ministry leaders. We've helped plant congregations. We've helped start many different ministries in Israel over, well, it's going on 22 years now. So we help actually one of the latest things that we're happy is we're helping uh, plant a new Ethiopian congregation, helping a pastor hmm. in, uh, that's the first Hebrew-speaking Ethiopian congregation in Israel. So that's we found we never thought. Can we you would. understand them? Well, they're the first Hebrew-speaking. So yes, I, we speak Hebrew. So <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you got the Ethiopian accent. Going oh, but these on. are Ethiopians that have uh, they arrived in Israel when they were really young. So, so. That, oh, okay. that's what makes this really unique, and what we were excited about it because uh, 
that's what we're doing in Israel is trying to start works that are indigenous, Hebrew speaking, or so many. All right, let me ask you this yeah. uh, question. Either one of you, by the way, guys, if you just want to go get coffee or <laughs> Ray, Ray, if you want to go get on your bike or whatever, I'll, I got this. Uh, no, I, I will. Uh, we, we will. We will get, get to y'all's questions okay. in a minute. And Ray's traveled many times to Israel. I'm sure he has a lot of questions. But I'm curious, um, Shani, you can answer this, and then Kobe, however you want to do it. We love Israel. All of us do. We wouldn't be talking to you. I've traveled to Israel 25 times or more. Um, so, and and, and we 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 uh, our hearts are the same here about you know the importance of, of reaching the Jewish people for Christ and. We're reaching the world for Christ, but uh, you know the Jewish people, God's people, need to know, need to be know about the message and need to know the Lord. However, the government of Israel, in the past at least, I have heard, uh, is not f- necessarily friendly to evangelism. Did I hear a bell go off? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay, so is that true? Uh, how do you? How do you how do you answer that question? Well, uh, I mean, the, in their minds, it's to protect the Jewish, the Jewish identity, people. right? Right, the Jewish identity they see as maybe an exit. They don't want the whole country threat. becoming Christian. Yeah, then all of a sudden, you know, they're nobody Jewish anymore. Right. But it, it's a fundamental misconception that you could you convert out of being Jewish if you're a believer. And all their early disciples, Yeshua, Jesus Himself, being Jewish. So that's what we try to tell them. No, you you just fulfill your ultimate. Identity and destiny in being a Jewish believer. You don't leave your faith, your religion, and join another one. Are, are most of the uh, Jewish people in Israel, are they agnostic? Are they religious? How did you break that down? That's a really great question. Uh, I would say, okay, so it's, it, I don't know that you could categorize it as clearly as you would in the States because yeah. uh, you can have someone who is Jewish by lineage. And they don't necessarily believe in God, but they'll still, you know, light candles on the Sabbath. They'll still have some sort of cultural tradition. They'll still celebrate the feast. Celebrate in, the, in the God scripture. that doesn't exist. Yeah. So I don't know that it's that. <laughs> I mean, they don't think of it right, like right, that, but that's right, really exactly, what they're doing. Exactly. If they're a Jewish atheist, they that's do, an oxymoron, right? They somehow recognize there is something there. Gotcha. So you're you're seeing a clash of like Western kind of culture that's saying, you know, you live for yourself and do whatever you want, and at the same time, you're seeing. The fact that Jews recognize that they exist because God kept them through thousands and thousands of years. Otherwise, we wouldn't have existed. So then you have right. the ultra, ultra, ultra religious, and they're maybe a 20% of the, the population. Fred, go. Yeah, either one of you can answer this question. I have heard from time to time that sometimes the, the Jewish people are suspect of Christians uh, around the world. and They know be- what we're trying to do. Because of the... Because of the history of Christianity, oh, I got you. going 100%, way back 100%. hundreds of years, and now you have the BDS movement, boycott, divest, and sanction movement, which some churches in this country have Correct. adopted. Does right. that create a problem for you folks? Right. So ministry? what you're doing is, it, you know, if you were to be, let's say, the perfect man and you are coming to uh, woo a bride who has suffered terrible abuse and you know untold horrors, you can try as much as you want to convince her that you're a good guy, but she has a lot of baggage. And, mm. and, and she sees you as a guy, and that's all she can see. And so when Christians are coming to the Jewish people and they just utter the word Jesus, it's like, you know, you're a vampire and we need to, and 
really a lot of it has to do unless you're staying at their hotel unless you're staying at their hotel and you keep your Jesus to yourself. And, but here's, here's where I think actually a lot of Christians aren't as educated as they could be when they're, when they're talking to Jewish people because the, the covenant that Yeshua made with the Jewish people was made with the Jewish people. And when Yeshua dies on the cross, and I know this sounds crazy to Christians when you, when you say it this way, but if you look at the scriptures, you're going to see what I'm saying is correct. Yeshua dies on the cross. Only Jews are invited at that moment in history. It's the Jewish people. And when Peter goes to Cornelius for the first time, it doesn't even occur to him to share about Yeshua, even after the angels and the vision, whatever, like Cornelius has to say, oh, well, he said, you know, in this vision that you would tell me about this good news. And then even when it happens and the Holy Spirit comes down, it's like, it's shocking to them. And then the leaders afterwards have to have this whole convention about the appropriateness of having people who are not Jewish invited to this covenant. Now it's always God's intention to do that, to reach Israel and then have Israel spread this news to the nations. But when Christians today come, they, a lot of times they're like, oh, you need to convert to Christianity. You need to believe in Jesus and convert to this Gentile, you know, what they view as pagan, worshiping three gods. Like there's just so much that when you just come at Jews with this, kind of Gentile version of this Jewish covenant that's offensive to them. And so I think a lot of it has to do with if you, if Christians can, you know, in themselves educate themselves and, and present this as like, oh, you know, Yeshua is your Messiah. And we're so excited to be a part of and grafted into this covenant, but it's your covenant. Mm -hmm. Like, so you're not converting to our covenant. We are in, in in the sense, enjoying the benefits of your covenant. Okay. Kobe and Shani Ferguson are in studio with us. They're from Israel, uh, and they are from Jerusalem, and they have a ministry there. Uh, Kobe, why don't you tell our listeners if people want to look you up, find out more information about your ministry, how can they do that? Sure. They can visit our website, maozisrael.org, M-A-O-Z-I-S-R-A-E-L.org. And they can see all the different branches and uh, ministry projects we're doing in the land, learn a lot about us, and learn a lot. My mother-in-law wrote for 45 years, very similar to what I was learning about the AFA today, starting from this AFA journal. And we, we do something called the Ma'o's Israel Report, which is very similar. That's kind of how the whole thing birthed, was writing over 45 years ago, a monthly publication. And we've taking the mantle um, on to our generation and doing the same thing. Yeah, a few rockets come your way a few weeks ago. You were telling us in devotion, right? Yeah. That yeah, was... we have tornadoes over here. <laughs> um, it's very funny yeah. you mentioned California, that. they got earthquakes. Yeah. You guys. We were, got rockets. You got, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I'm going to take my chances with the tornadoes, I think, <laughs> with incoming rockets. I, seriously, um, what happened? You, you guys live near where – when was that, six weeks ago, two, two yeah, months ago? Just, just a few weeks what, ago, what a happened? couple months. What happened? Well, there, Shanika mentioned from her perspective, but I just know that uh, I'm with the kids, and she's coming home, and all of a sudden I hear, we hear the siren, and it's chaos, and the kids are, we have five children, all born and raised in Israel, and they're saying, oh, we need to stand here. No, we need to stand here. We need to stand here. And, and one of our kids said, let this not be our last conversation, arguing about where we're not going to get hit. What if we die? You know? I said, yeah, we need to probably prepare ourselves. But, Shinny, why don't you tell because you had to come Do you up. have a safe place? I mean, do you have a bunker? Uh, our particular – no, our house right now was built before 1980. Every house built after 1980 is required to have a bomb shelter, but our, our is the one that well. we rent is uh, older. So, 
Yeah, I was coming back from the studio, which is located uh, in Jerusalem. We have a recording studio there. And I was driving home and, you know, Mohammed Def gave Israel the ultimatum that he was going to shoot rockets at us at six o'clock. He's uh, the number one most wanted terrorist in Gaza. He's actually been, they've had several attempted assassinations and he's I pretty much has. Okay, so he made a threat. He made a threat. Yeah, he said because they were uh, had some skirmishes up on the Temple Mount and they were holed up. Uh, the, the, these terrorists were holed up in in uh, the mosques there with rocks. Which we're talking is about Hamas, right? Yes, yeah, Hamas okay. and their activists. Well, Hamas isn't in Jerusalem per se, but right. they have activists. Yeah. yeah. So Hamas in Gaza was stirring up the flames there, and I'm sure you guys followed the whole thing. Uh, this, is a, this is a summer thing that happens. Uh, somebody, Everyone gets hot. Somebody tries to make moves politically in the Gaza Strip, and, and they know the number one way to, mm-hmm. to, to garner attention to themselves is to attack Israel. Right. So you're, 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 but your house would be uh, in miles from the Gaza Strip, what, 50 miles? No, so, less than that. Less uh, than that? No. It so the, so the rockets are being fired from Gaza, and that stopped now. That's over. Israel right, stopped right, right. it. Shut that down. Israeli uh, military stopped it. But um, so usually so missiles wouldn't hit Jerusalem because people aren't usually stupid enough to shoot at Jerusalem. Sure, right. But this, you got a lot but of, in you fact, got this, Arabs there. But in fact, this yeah. man was. Oh, there's stupid Arabs enough. everywhere. That's the whole well, thing. Well, like, When they were, fi- you know, 25 percent of the of the rockets that that Gaza shot out hit their own people in Gaza. Right. But, that's and a good then point. they hit usually, Bedouins and they hit them. They they don't yeah. care. They, they don't they'll care. fire at Tel Aviv because it's 99 yes. percent. Jewish. Yeah, but even Jaffa's right next to it, and ton, tons of Arabs. So they have no problem hurting their own people. But how far did the kid. missile hit, uh, rocket hit from your house? A few hundred yards. Did you hear it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, I, I guess that's a dumb did question. Did you feel it? Did you feel it? We felt it. We felt it. Did you feel it? It's yeah. kind of like when people say the tornado went over my house. You know, it was like one of those right. things, you know? Yeah. It's like, really? What, it's what like, did you do uh, after that? I mean, did you? Well, we changed. We, we changed our drawers, and then we. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yes. it was. Uh, it was pretty intense. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll Actually, say that our much. staff members got called up because some of them are in the the Military. reserves, and so yeah, they have gotcha. to. Hey, Ray, do you have a question? I sure do. Uh, Shinny, you talked a moment ago about the difficulties that we face. You face in Israel uh, centuries of abuse and suffering and misrepresentation. And I was thinking about the name of your ministry, Strength. What works? What what do you tell your people to reach their Jewish friends, secular or religious, whatever it may be? What works in terms of bringing the gospel to the Jewish people? That's a really, really great question. Um, I've been there my whole life. I'm 42, for all of the people who are wondering how I have five mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> um, and, you know, what I have, I have seen a lot of things that don't work. And a lot of things that look very flashy and make for great newsletter stories, and they don't work long term. Uh, I will say that the the thing that works the most, first of all, is uh, the locals reaching their friends and having long term relationships and um, having a lifestyle that Israelis can't fathom of just camaraderie and integrity and just all sorts of things that you know when when people come from the outside and they see our staff or our family. And they ask over and over, what is it about you guys? Because they really, it's almost something intangible. The, the desire that we have for each other to succeed, the, you know, just certain issues that most people deal with that we're constantly, you know, before the Lord, like deal with this, make me a humble person, like 
humility in, in Hebrew, there's almost not even a word for it. It's the word humiliation. And so Israelis don't care for it. <laughs> so, so just certain things like that are the testimony in which people then ask us, what is it? And, and then we can share with them. So I, th- I think she, uh, you didn't ask me, but I'm going to just say it anyway. <laughs> That's a very Israeli thing to do. Uh, I, I think what she's saying is live the life, be the real thing. Right. Hypocrites turn you know, everyone off, but the Jewish person in, in a particular way. But also learn to communicate. So learn to walk the walk, but but talk, communicate. It's okay. Share the gospel. Share it in a way that, as Shani mentioned earlier, that's relevant. That's very um, uh, appreciative of the culture that this person comes from. That almost blows them away, as it says that in Romans eleven eleven that the gospels come to the Gentile to make the Jews jealous. And uh, I see, I see no greater way than showing the appreciation we have the scriptures because of you and because of your forefathers. And and it just really you think that way, just really showing a, a gratitude and appreciation for the heritage and the history is overwhelming to them. And I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, a lot of Jewish people love to kind of intellectually process things. And so in a conversation that may often come up. And people are tempted to say, oh, yeah, well, here's this theological reason, this theological reason, this scripture, and then this scripture. And that's great. But what you are more likely to get is a person who intellectually agrees with you, which is different than a heart change. Mm-hmm. And that that introduction that God wants a relationship with you, that you interact with him, that freaks out Israelis more than anything when I talk to them and explain to them, <laughs> like, if you knew our whole story, how we got together and just, the, you know, you pray and God guides you. And, like, we have the scriptures and they show us things and that is just mind blowing, and that is essentially they're hungry the- for a deep, genuine relationship with God. Hmm. They were created for it, and when they see people that actually have this, it provokes them to jealousy. Wow! Talking to Kobe and Shani, I get it right that Shani. time. That's Shani, that's all right. We got till the end. That was disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm the host here. You're not, you're not here to embarrass me. Just go with it, okay? Anyway, the Fergusons are here in the studio uh, with us, and uh, they live in Israel, and the sooner they go back, the better. Um, that's my Israeli okay. coming out. Uh, okay. Everyone misses okay. it because my accent's no, American. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Uh, hey, I want to ask you, Kobe, how has uh, COVID impacted Israel. Uh, I had a group scheduled to go of 160 people in Mm -hmm. March of 2020. Three days before we were to depart from New York, Israel closed their borders because of COVID and hasn't opened since, except for citizens like yourself. Uh, So the the tour buses, you don't see them anymore. I mean, that's got to be crazy. We've seen little bit yeah. here and there of some private tours, maybe friends of people in the government or, uh, but yeah. But not the, the Christian pilgrims no, coming by the millions. Not the flock, right. no, which is a, a good part of our economy or, right. you know, and so it's, it's been difficult. You know, Israel <clears throat> spent more days of lockdown than any other country in the world. But and, they, they uh, have the highest vaccination rate too. I well, think. that Did was they, before the, the vaccination. Okay, Do they have their own vaccination no, uh, vaccine they, they took or Pfizer. They took Pfizer. Pfizer, yeah. And, and uh, but uh, is it mandatory? No, no, no. Absolutely not. Okay, no, it's highly encouraged. I think what you have to realize is Israel is sitting in a tiny plot surrounded by enemies, and so they always have it on their mind. No sure. matter what happens, we can't let things get out of control. We can't have our military right. sick with COVID. We can't like 
Our hospital just, swamped. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's And so in the beginning, threat. nobody knew what was happening. And, you know, Israel, I, it's funny because as we've been traveling the U.S., people said, you know, when I saw Israel shut down, I knew, I knew this was a real virus because, you know, there's been rumors of things like this over the years coming from China, but th- this was different, as mm-hmm. we all know. And they said, oh, wow, Israel locked down. So this is a real thing, you know. Yeah. How, how long are y'all in the U.S. before you go back? I got a couple weeks left. Shiny. <laughs> do what what'd you right. say i got a couple so, weeks left and then i'm headed headed back okay headed back and you got five kids yeah five kids ages what to what kobe uh, 16 to 5 when do they drive in israel what when age? do they do they can drive close to 17 they can yeah. start taking lessons at 17 and yeah. then by a little 18. bit later is that what y'all tell your kids or is that really <laughs> that's real that's huh? real and then by the time they can drive they're in the army so it doesn't even really matter oh. so you got at least you, till you 20 have, till you, uh, well, well they they will have to serve in 100 percent yeah we two, we, two year you, you require two years military for service a girl, right? three years for a boy two for a girl three for a boy and then the boys will be called in for you know every year until they're about 35 yeah, or 40 it's, it's a, so it's compulsory but it's it's an honor and a privilege and it's funny we just got our daughter's first notification that she has to go so this is i think it'd be real you know i've said in the past i think it'd be great for american kids to have i think it does really well especially a year a year or two you know of military because of what it does to uh for self-discipline and all kinds of by the time they go to college they're they've been through two years of military they're not going to be as appreciation for your country i mean entire country has to be called up if, if we need to be and yeah and it does something with the camaraderie of the entire people, actually. Yes. Well, listen, may you go home and live rocket-free. Uh, <laughs> amen. amen, amen. Amen. Thank you. Shalom. Our okay, shalom. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, the website again? Maozisrael.org. Right, spell that out. M-A-O-Z-I-S-R-A-E-L.org. Okay. Thanks, guys. I appreciate pleasure. it. All right, uh, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Red, Ray, and uh, yours truly, we shall return momentarily with Steve. Steve will be up next. He's waiting in the not-so-green room. We'll see you in a few minutes. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.